0: Now we are embarking on engaging in culture. We'll be looking at first today, how races collide, when life is expendable, when circumstances overwhelm, when substances take over, looking at how substances that people take, medication and all that stuff, what they can do to people when they get out of control, When when marriage is questioned, and we have that going on in our world today in all facets of society. Uh, when materialism consumes, that's a big one. We'll look at that. And last one, the f- uh, this is a seven-week study. So the seventh study would be when false religions deceive. And we have a handout to give you on that, on all of the various religions and what they, what they, what they teach and so on and so forth. So it looks to be an exciting time of studying God's Word and the way that our lives can be impacted in a way where we can move forward wisely, not blindly, but move forward wisely, uh, because we know the end of the story, right? We know how the book ends, right? All right. So uh, with that, let's turn to page 83. Uh, Page 83 engaging culture and ever change in an, in an ever-changing world the times they are changing culture changes music styles rise and fall in popularity when we observe fashions or listen to the slang used by different generations it becomes clear we are constantly changing some things though should not change like truth, ethics, and morality. But unfortunately, society is even seeking to make changes, to make unchanging principles as pliable as everything else in culture. Consider, for example, what today's culture says about how we view each other, how we treat those who are not contributing to society, how we deal with life's circumstances, How we handle the use of alcohol and other drugs. How we define marriage. How we use our possessions. How we define truth. How do we stand for the truth and righteousness in which God calls us to live? This study leads us to stand in the face of culture and engage it with God's unchanging truth. Principles. God calls us to follow in his word are the very truths that make life rich and full. And remember what Jesus said. He says, I came that you might have life and that you may have it how? More abundantly. More abundantly in all of its fullness is what it means. Okay, let's look at the first question we have on page 84. What do you appreciate what do you appreciate most about other cultures? What do you appreciate most about other cultures? There's other cultures that you have been exposed to? Yes, mm-hmm. Food, okay? Yes. <laughs> that seemed to be the, the major thing, yeah. isn't it?
1: That's yeah. the one right there, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, food. I, I guess it's hard be, you, you, you looked at that picture, hey. <laughs> the food. You know, uh, and, and you notice that uh, uh, many uh, entrepreneurs are now bringing the foods of other cultures to our country mm-hmm. so that people can get a taste of it who may not be able to go to that country where that food originates. Mm-hmm. All right, what else? Music. Music, mm-hmm. okay. And that's, uh, that's a, 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 a another major thing uh, that people sometimes don't seem to appreciate their own and they gravitate more to the foreign. What else besides food and music? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Languages. Languages, okay. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Languages. Uh, Americans have a tendency at times to confuse Bahamians with Jamaicans and Trinidadians and everybody else in the rest yeah. of these. <laughs> all one. Yeah, all is one. <laughs> all right. And we have seen that uh, that's a major thing. And the Bahamas is not even in the Caribbean. Okay. Um, let's look at Notice what the point is. What is the point?
1: Our relationship with Christ should be reflected in our with one another.
0: Okay, our relationship, that is if you have a relationship with Christ, it should be reflected in how we unite with others. All right, um, let's look at Bible meets life. Could someone read that please? Go ahead.
1: Our source of information about other cultures does not extend much further than the menu at the ethnic restaurant. After all, who doesn't love to eat? Mm -hmm. Our world is full of wonderfully creative and different ways to prepare food. Of course, food is just one thing that distinguishes each culture from others. Other external customs and traditions include music and dress. Even cultures that share the same language can develop distinct dialects within that language. We're wonderfully unique. One culture is neither superior nor inferior to any other. Each is simply different. I pastored a church in a town that was divided between the fan bases for two sports teams. Their rivalry was real. No fundamental difference existed between the two groups. They were all people made in God's image. Their hostility was over something external, their team colors. Unfortunately, we we often focus on externals, those outward things that make us look different, while paying little attention to things we might share in common. In the book of Ephesians, Paul pointed us to the most important thing we share, a relationship
0: with Christ. Okay, so we notice that one of the things that stand out there in that Bible Meets Life passage is the extent of our knowledge of other people's culture, uh, ethnic culture. Food seems to be the primary one, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, um, we have uh, a few passages. The first one is Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, verses 11 to 12. But before we read that and look at the comments there, let me give you the setting. (coughs) Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 to 22 focuses on the alienation that existed between Jews and Gentiles in the first century. Paul described the animosity that existed and how God had remedied the situation through the Lord Jesus Christ Christ loves everyone equally and he died for all he makes no distinction between races ethnicities or nationalities Paul painted a vivid picture of how Christians should behave when confronted with those who appear to be different That's the setting, that's the backdrop for our study today. We want to keep that in mind uh, as we go through our study. So let's have someone read the first one. The first uh, verses we have, 11 to 12, and also the commentary. Go in once
2: then remember that at one time there were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised which is done in the flesh by human hands to unto um, at the time who without Christ excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants, covenants of yes. promise covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world It is not a fun feeling to be lost, separated from others. We've all been there in one way or another. In this passage, Paul addressed the Gentiles and non-Jews with a truth that applies to all of us. We were all born born lost and separated from God spiritually. spiritually. In this passage, Paul reminded us that we were all born lost and separated from God spiritually. No matter what country of origin, racial or ethnic background, or socio-economic class we were in two. we all entered this world as sinners, separated from God. We were first without Christ. Paul had earlier noted that we were lost in our sins, Ephesians 2 and 1. We were not just sick, but dead. We were bound by sin in bondage to the world and therefore we were separated from christ second without citizenship we were excluded from the citizenship of israel i live in the commonwealth of virginia only four of four other states use the term commonwealth which refers to the common good israel had the blessing of god which meant that they had god's protection love law promises, direction, and guidance. God's blessing was for their commonwealth, their common good. But while we were lost in sin, we could not share in that good. Third, without covenants. Covenant is one of the most important words in the Bible. The covenant is simply an agreement in which God binds himself to a promise. For Israel, the covenants for God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses and David. God desires for us to live under his covenants and promise. But we can't do that as long as we are apart from Jesus. Um for what? Without hope. Ne- um, helplessness, hopelessness hope sorry, hopelessness pervades mm-hmm. pervades our pervades, yeah.
0: Huh? Yeah, that's right.
2: Pervades our world today. Many have no confidence in their government or leaders. Many can count on their parents or friends. Evil surrounds us. But we need not fear the future. Our greatest hope is found in Christ, but as long as we are separated from Him, that hope is absent. Without God, the phrase without God does not mean God has forsaken us, but that we have forsaken him. It does not mean we did not he did not know us, but that we did not know him. Paul reminds his readers of their former status by using terms others might use in name calling, the circumcised and the uncircumcised. For the Jews, these words would be used with a tone of diversion yeah. and condensation. Con-con-con- Condescension. Condescension, Condescension, thank you. (laughs) Derision
0: and condescension.
2: (laughs) Against the Gentiles. Social distinctions and divisions are all the work of human hands, and any time we use terms in a diverse manner, it is sin. Yet without Christ's promises and his hope, our differences are magnified. Without Christ, we look for a way to prop ourselves up, and we often do that through a disdain for others. The Declaration of Independence says, we hope these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but the Bible said it first. God created all people in his image, and all of us were dead in our sins separate from him. We are all descendants of Adam and Eve, and therefore we are part of a single race, the human race. So let's call racism what it is, sin. It is evil. No race can claim serious superiority when we are all equal before our creator. The only answer to our nation's racial problem and and our only hope for reconciliation is the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: Amen. Alright, so so notice, uh, although Paul had previously stated, or previously noted uh, in this letter that all human beings uh, stand deserving of God's wrath for their sins, in Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 3, here, in these two verses, he pointed out the particularly dire state of the Gentiles before Christ. Paul identified five conditions of the Gentiles alienation from God's from God in relation to the Jews prior to coming to Christ. First they were without Christ. Bad state to be in. Especially if a person dies. You don't want to die without Christ. They were separated from God's covenantal people through which he promised Messiah would come. And then secondly, they were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. They were without citizenship. The Gentiles were excluded from the covenant that God made with Israel. Israel was God's chosen people as we know, and um, a nation founded by God himself, which the Gentiles had no part in whatsoever. Third, they were excluded from God's covenant people. The Gentiles were foreigners to the covenant. And then they were without the covenant. And then they were without hope. Now we know what it is to be without hope, right? There are many people who committed suicide, took their own lives because they felt that they had no hope. So that gives us a, just a small idea, on indication of what it means to have no hope. And so the Gentiles, that's us, before we came to Christ we were without hope. And then finally, the worst state to ever be in, what's that? Without God. Bad state, you never want to be in that state. Because if you're without God, then you're with the other guy. And you don't want to be with him, right? Because you know what his future is, right? You know where he's headed, you know what's got, what, what what is in store for him. All right, so if you're without God, you're in bad shape. All right, so Paul pointed out these five distinctions. Without Christ, without citizenship, without covenants, without hope, and without God. That brings us to question number two, bottom of page 87. What is the the importance of remembering who we were before knowing Christ? What is the importance of remembering who we were before knowing Christ?
1: You
3: don't want
0: to go back, there. Hmm? Don't want to go back there. You don't want to go back there. All right?
3: And you're motivated to share the gospel so that no one you know will miss knowing the Lord Jesus as their Savior but will hear. And you want everyone possible to go with you and to be with the Lord forever.
0: Good. Okay. Anybody else?
3: And then you could relate to
2: somebody who they're still in the world because. You couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. know what that was
0: like. Right, by remembering your past, you could you could run into somebody who's going through exactly what you went through during your, your time without Christ, and you could identify with them. You could relate to them. All right, and I think that's a major thing uh, for us when it comes to remembering. Boy, I remember when I was in the state that you were in. Boy, I remember when I was where you are. Let me tell you how you could get from that place to a better place. So it's good to remember, isn't it? Yeah. And that's why God has given us the ability. Do you know that human beings, God made human beings with the capacity to never forget? Do you know that? God made us that way. You know, there was a lady who was having surgery. And she was, uh, they were doing brain surgery on this woman and she was awake. It was one of those situations. They, they can do that. And they said, she said that, At one point during during that surgery, she felt that she relived, this woman was in her fifties or so, she relived a childhood experience and you know what happened? The surgeons touched a part of her brain with one of the instruments and she actually remembered that whole experience that she had during childhood, vividly remembered it, like she was actually there. And so God is, you know, the human being is the most complicated and sophisticated computer that God has ever, that anyone has ever made. Alright? And God has built us with the capacity never to forget. You may not recall, but it doesn't mean it's not there. Everything that we do in life is stored in our memory. Alright? And uh, sometimes at a particular time in our our experience in life, you will recall an incident that you, you thought you had forgotten. But it comes back. Because God made us that way. Are they talked about, remember that, that, that series, The Six Million Dollar Man? Yeah. That figure is a joke. <laughs> to, to, to the price that you could put on a human being. We are priceless. Because God made us. And God don't make no junk. Remember in, in, uh, in Genesis, the book of Genesis says that God created nothing in Vain. In other words, everything that God made and created has a purpose. God does not make anything that does not have a purpose. God doesn't make junk. All right. So let's remember how vital it is that we are special to God, created by God for a purpose. The next passage that we have is uh, verses 13 to 18. Let's go ahead and read that.
1: Before we worry about yeah, think you
0: remember. the a of history of what the Jewish colonizers us. It's a solemn reminder to my friend. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's a good example. God God recalled him to remember because God made him, God knows that he made him with the ability to remember. Now he could choose not to recall. But God says, remember in your lifetime how you lived well and paid sumptuary and Lazarus lived in such and such a way? And he could recall that. But <laughs> God also created us for his pleasure. Right. Um, and God get
1: um, pleasure out of us when we become fully aware of who he is and who his greatest enemy
0: is, mm-hmm. and we turn our back against his greatest enemy,
1: who is the fallen angel, and focus on him, and, and uh, thank him for making us a part of his creation. We were created for God's pleasure, and God
0: get his greatest pleasure out of us when he sees us exercising wisdom and choosing him over what. Good point. If you remember you remember now um, as as Barazkin said, that's a good point to remember that God made us for his pleasure. God gets pleasure out of us accomplishing what he created us for. Don't you don't you get a good feeling when you when you when you create something or you make something uh, for a purpose and that whatever you did it's accomplishing that purpose doesn't make you feel good? You make a cake for a a friend or a neighbor and you give it to them and you see their response and their reaction to it. Doesn't that make you feel good? Or you give someone a gift that you probably created yourself and you see their response. You created that for a purpose and when you see that purpose fulfilled, you are ecstatic. That's how B.S. says, that's how God feels when we accomplish His good purpose. So that's a good point. Thank you for that. Okay, uh, the next point, or the next verse, verses 13 to 18. Let's read that one.
3: And now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. Mm -hmm. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you, who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Continue. We were sinners without God, but he did not leave us there. Our sin created an inner conflict, James 4, 1. But we manifest that conflict in many ways It's been said, a man at war with himself will be at war with everyone else around him. Only one solution to this conflict is available: the blood of Christ. God sent His Son Jesus, a Middle Eastern man with a dark complexion, born to save sinners from every race and walk of life. John three sixteen. Because Christ's salvation brings us all to the Father. There is no longer any wall between us and other believers. The gospel tore down the dividing wall. When Paul wrote this myth passage, he probably had in mind the wall at the Jewish temple that separated the court of the Gentiles from the temple proper. A sign was posted there that declared, No foreigner may enter within the barricade that surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. Similar divisions exist today. When in Israel, I saw this sign. This road leads to Palestinian territory. The entrance for Israeli citizens is forbidden, dangerous to your lives.
0: Okay, thank you. That was a short one. Uh, You don't want to run into that sign and go boss it, right? (laughs) But notice... um, uh, the verse actually gives us an antidote An antidote between the conflict uh, uh, The conflict that people are, uh, are having uh, And that, uh, that, that, antidote is, that antidote is the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ You know, I, read, I look at the news sometimes in, in Florida have some dangerous reptiles And whenever a person gets bitten by a snake They have to catch the snake or find out what kind of snake it was because they have antidotes to give to p- people to treat them for whatever type, of, in, whatever type of snake it is that they. And so we, that gives us an idea of how important an antidote is. And the passage that we read uh, here tells us that the antidote was what? What is the antidote for the conflict? It says, our only solution to this conflict available is what? the blood of Christ Christ. there's no other antidote there's nothing that can solve the problem okay we who were always who were far away from uh, have been brought near by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and one of the things we notice about this passage also is that peace is a continuing theme throughout the passage God is a God of peace we have, a, we have another uh, article here called Digging Deeper, and that's a, that's a more intense study into what the, the passage uh, deals with, and we have them, you'll notice you have them throughout your studies every now and then. Now, we're going to look at that one right now. Um, some of them are a little longer than others, but this one is short, so we're going to read it and uh, give us a, an idea about this dividing wall and what it means. America is not without dividing walls of its own. We divide ourselves by education, socioeconomics, politics, and perhaps the greatest uh, dividing wall is over race. Only the gospel can bring healing to all the hostility. Peace is possible. At the time Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, the Jewish law, ordinances, ceremonies, and sacrifices created a wall between people, but Jesus' perfect sacrifice has removed the need for those things that created the wall. Through Jesus, we all now have the opportunity to have a relationship with God, peace with God. The peace available to us was brought with a high price, Jesus's death on the cross. And Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5 tells us he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds through Jesus we now have peace with God since I have peace with God and you have peace with God shouldn't we have peace with each other there's no need there is no good race and no bad race we all only sinners saved by grace God is building a new race of people bought with his blood filled with his spirit and called to the church what unites us in Christ is far greater than our differences our salvation God makes all things new where many groups once existed God is putting together chosen people out of every race every tribe language people and nation Heaven is not going to be a white church, black church, Hispanic church, or Asian church. It will be all the redeemed, all people who have received forgiveness through Jesus' death and resurrection. I think that was worth reading, didn't you think? Yes, yes. Okay, it brings a little bit more clarity, or a lot more clarity. Okay, so Paul probably had in mind the wall at the Jewish temple that separated the court of the Gentiles from the temple proper sign was posted there that declared no foreigner may enter within the barricades that surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death strong warning isn't it okay the next passage we have paragraph I think we have time for the last one and that is 19 to 22. Anyone want to read that?
2: 19.
0: Yeah, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22 on page 90. No takers? Okay, I'll read it. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, as a cornerstone in him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit believers united with Christ are united with each other fellow citizens with the saints members of God's household put together built together when we look at a structure, we see the building as a whole, not individual bricks. As believers, we are, sing- we are a single church built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets who <laughs> proclaim the message of Christ. The church has Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, the stone that brings two walls together and strengthens them. Paul described us as growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In the Old Testament, the temple, and before that the tabernacle, was the place of God's presence and glory among his people. Today, God's people, his church, make up that temple. But being the the church is not just about what happens on Sunday morning. Church is about doing life together. We have a saying at the church, I pastor, it is not just a church. It is not just church, it's life. The church is a community of faith. So why is Sunday morning still the most segregated hour in America? Most of us have grown up in circles where everyone looks like us and looks and talks like us. We naturally tend to stay within our circle. We naturally tend to stay within our circle. We can encounter this as we step we can encounter this as we step out of our comfort zones and into someone else's experience. Let's learn about one another's racial and ethnic cultures while celebrating what we share in Christ. Why hasn't the church made more progress when it comes to race relations? We should not assume that we or our churches are free from racial prejudices. When our family moved to Hampton, Virginia, 2006, the population in the area was 48% African-American. But we could count on one hand the African-American families in our church. We began to pray about how we could reach everyone in our community. One Sunday after the service, a sweet African-American lady asked me, Pastor, when you look at the front of the bulletin, what do you see? I see people, I responded. She observed, I see white people. From that day forward, if we printed 10 faces, seven were non-white. We focused on what we wanted to become. Today, the church is a multi-ethnic and multi-generational church. Each Sunday, I see Anglos, African-Americans, Asians, Russians, and Hispanics singing together on the platform. We are actively taking steps to reflect the truth of the gospel. God is building a church that looks like our community and looks like heaven. One night, as we were leaving church, we saw a car on fire. The lady driving the car was strapped and unconscious. An older man was doing everything he could to rescue her. The flames almost engulfed him. Finally, he was able to break the window, unlock the door, and pull the woman to safety, saving her life. The lady was Caucasian. The man was African-American. In that moment, though, no one noticed the difference. All that mattered was a lady trapped in a car going up in flames and had been rescued. People all around us are trapped in sin, unconscious and unaware of what awaits them. God has called the church to work together with the same urgency, a unified army putting aside our preferences and differences. We are one in Christ, and we should act like it. Powerful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. All right, last question, question number five what are some practical steps our group can take to positively impact race relations in our community? Anyone? Sincerely reaching out to one another. Okay, sincerely. Reach out with sincerity. Uh, Okay, anyone else?
2: Visit other churches where maybe it's not so many whites or like us.
0: Okay, visit other churches yeah, where there's...
2: church like a Haitian church or something like that. Okay. It might be predominantly, because you know, our churches has a mixture, but, mm-hmm. you know, the churches maybe it's all black, like a Haitian church or something like that.
0: Okay. Okay, visit other churches where there's diversity. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? We'll go on. Uh, when we have the next uh,
3: walk, Opportunity to share the gospel in our neighborhood, get involved with that, um, getting to know people mm-hmm. that live right here around us because they're from different ethnicities. They're okay. Not all
1: and then we have a Haitian
3: church right
2: here, but I never hear us talk about anything. Yeah. We're doing
0: things. Yeah, right up the street. Our,
2: our neighbor church right there. Mm. <laughs> so.
0: Alright we we have to the session
2: church,
1: they're trying a because the chairs that they, the benches that they got there is only about eight inches off the ground. <laughs> 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 because they're, they're a small statue, so okay. can't get
3: out
0: of it. All
1: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we skip question four and that is how can we focus on what we have in common in Christ over any differences that separate us? Anyone wanna comment on that? How can we focus on what we have in common in Christ over any differences that separate us?
3: We can talk about the intangibles Mm -hmm. of um, God's character and um, how we are seeing God work out His character and teach us and grow us, Mm -hmm. um, answering prayer, um, all those kind of things we have in common.
0: Okay, the uh, chat on the board have a, a, a church structure and uh, it uh, challenges us to share what, uh, what we are in Christ. And the first word we have here is unity. And of course there's some other words we can think of that we have, that we, we have in common uh, besides unity. What are some of the other things we have in common besides unity as a church? Unity is one thing we have in common. That's one of the building blocks of the church. Unity. What are, the, what are some other ones? Can loving we think? Loving and caring. Huh? Loving and caring. Loving and caring. So we could put loving in one of those blocks. We can put caring in another one. What else can we put in there? Uh, sharing. Sharing. Okay. Sharing. Good. If we had time, we'd write it in, but our time is gone. But we get the idea of how the church is built the building blocks of the church. Let's look at page 93 as we wrap it up here and see how we can uh, flesh this out. How does God want us, how does God want to use you to bridge the divide and be an ambassador of peace this coming week? Three options. Admit. Racism still exists. Confess to God any prejudice you feel toward another person and doesn't have to be color-related, can be socioeconomic, can be any other, and there are many of them. Okay, meet. Get to know your neighbors and coworkers who have a different ethnicity than yours. Don't treat them differently. Treat them simply as a neighbor or a coworker. You can build bridges by focusing on what you share in common, and then invite. Invite someone of a different race or ethnicity to come with you to your Bible study group. The smaller group environment is a great way for them to build relationships with other believers. Don't just go to church. Be the church. Amen? Okay. Now, there is another article on dividing. Well, I encourage you to read that when you have some time. Uh, It starts on page 94 and goes through to verse 97. Uh, It's one of those extracurricular articles that gives us a little bit more in-depth and detail uh, that our time in class would not permit us to to go through. All right, so uh, with that, uh, let's pray. Father, help us to be one in you so that unity and peace will be evident in our church Calvary Bible Church that we describe as the incredible body of Christ. Bless us now as we go into the service to follow and continue to get glory for yourself from our receptive hearts. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. 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 The Lord bless you.